0: Light is arguably the most important aspect of a photograph. It can make or break the image. Photography literally means drawing with light. You cannot out edit bad lighting. It's so important for us as photographers to understand how light works and how to uh, use it in our images. Learn the lighting rules. However, don't be afraid to break those rules if you think it will make your image stronger. The important thing is to use light with intention. photographer mamas welcome to the capture the chaos podcast do you wish you could book more newborn and family clients do you wish you knew how to find more time to do all the things for your business and still live your best life are you looking for that secret sauce to level up your session i'm Brittany renee i've been where you are friend for years i was confused lost and I struggled to build a profitable business that didn't suck all my time away from the important things in my life. I finally realized if I was going to scale and become a profitable photographer without sacrificing my family life, I needed a better plan. I've implemented strategies that double my photography clients and gave me the time freedom to do the things I love and have fun doing it. I'm ready to share it all with you. Right now, your business probably feels like confetti on the floor after a birthday session, (laughs) a bit of a mess. Your life is busy, chaotic, and it's filled with joy. If you're ready to build a business that fits into that wonderful life, you're in the right place. Throw in a load of laundry, pour yourself some coffee, or a glass of wine, I'm not judging, and edit some photos. Let's get ready to grow, mama. You definitely need to experiment with different types of light and find what fits your style best. When I share my light preferences, it's coming from the position of being a brighter and more bold style. You wouldn't classify me as a moody photographer, so you probably won't find a lot of shadows in my work. If you like to include shadows, you wouldn't use the lighting the same way that I do. With that being said, light has specific behaviors and they don't change. We simply have to change how we utilize it. A few behaviors of light you'll want to keep in mind. Light travels in a straight line until it's deflected onto another path. Light fades as the source is moved further away. Think of shooting close to a window versus stepping a few feet away from it. The light gets less strong. The larger the light source relative to the subject, the softer the shadow to highlight transition think of a large window versus a smaller window which one will have harder shadow I'm having trouble harder shadows the smaller window try it and see what happens and when I say shadow to light transition I just mean how softly in the gradient that it changes from shadow to highlight you know whenever you're in really harsh Sun how the there'll be a shadow boop highlight It's right there on the line. There's not much transition there. Some light source variations to keep in mind. Like I was talking about, a hard source would be straight on or direct. You think of sun at midday. This type of light creates quick shadow transitions. A soft source would be bounced or diffused. Think of golden hour, open shade, window light. Diffused light is when the path of the light is scattered, sending it in different directions. With this type of light, the shadows transition slowly and you'll have less hard lines. I asked some people to send in a few questions regarding light so I could answer them here on the podcast. The first question is, how do you bounce flash during in-home sessions? I asked her what type of flash she was using and it's an on-camera speed light without a reflector. So there are three main types of added light sources, which we have continuous, light, speed light which is a flash that connects to the top of your camera so you can put it um, or you can put it on a stand with a trigger and a strobe which is similar to a flash but it provides quick bursts of light and it's typically off camera. I've never seen one on camera. The important thing to know is that speed lights and continuous lights are not as bright powerful as a strobe. So when I'm doing sessions in homes, I prefer, (laughs) I prefer a strobe because I can manipulate it a lot easier than I can with continuous light or a speed light. Remember the rule? Light fades as the source is moved further away. If you have a speed light, which isn't super powerful to begin with, and you bounce it off the wall behind you, and I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You can bend the, like the, they have like a, Oh my gosh what's the word a hinge where you can turn the speed light and bounce it on the wall behind you beside you or in front of you so usually people are going to bounce it on the wall behind them so it's going to deliver less light to the subject because it had to travel from the flash all the way back to the wall and then bounce off the wall and then back to the subject add to that If the walls are taller or farther away, it's going to have to travel even further and be even weaker. Once it reaches the subject, there's a really sciency equation, but numbers are not my strong suit. So there's, there's an equation that says how much light decreases as it gets further away from the source. But if you want to, you can Google it. I just can't understand it enough to explain it. My recommendation would be to start using a strobe for in-home newborn sessions, but I know some people are really reluctant to do that. So my next best advice would be to get a reflector kit that you can attach to the speed light so the light doesn't have to travel as far. So there's these little bendable reflectors that you can put around the speed light on your camera and it flashes off the reflector and then back towards the subject. That way it doesn't have to travel all the way to the wall and you don't have to worry about where the walls are going off of that answer, the next question was, flash or continuous light? And I think you might have already guessed the answer to that. But the same thing as I mentioned with the speed light, continuous light isn't as powerful as a strobe. However, there are some benefits to using continuous light. Continuous light pros would be that they're good for enhancing natural light. It's easy to work with because you see exactly what you're going to get in camera. But the cons are that they're not as bright, and you'll need a higher ISO and a slower—I a, a, can't say it—a slower shutter speed. Say that five times fast. Slower shutter speed. Slower shutter speed. The other con is that you cannot manipulate the brightness of a continuous light. It is what it is. Now, the pros for a strobe: you can literally shoot at any time of day, and you have more control over the brightness of it. It tends to be much more powerful than a continuous light. So if I walk into a home that's completely dark or it's at night, if I really wanted to do that, I could still photograph the session and not be afraid of how much light there is. Granted, I really don't prefer to walk into darker homes, even with my strobe, but it is what it is. It makes it a little easier to work with. There's rarely any lighting situations that a strobe can't handle. And you can use a low ISO, which helps reduce the noise of an image. Strobe cons, they can be distracting and you can't see exactly what light you're going to get until you get a test shot. It's harder to learn, I will admit that. And then one two hundredth of a second is the fastest shutter speed you should use to sync with a strobe because the strobe or the, the shutter cannot keep up, nope, back up. The strobe cannot keep up with a faster shutter speed and you'll get black lines across the top or bottom of your image. For me, the pros of a strobe far outweigh the cons. My light preference for in-home newborn sessions would be, number one, strobe, number two, continuous, and number three, speed light, way at the bottom. The next question was, I've seen photographers underexpose images so they can save, in quotes, colors and play around with editing. I've tried it on purpose and by accident and my images are grainy and noisy. Yet when I've seen other photographers do it, their images remain crisp. How? So noise is formed by irregular pixels misrepresenting the luminance and tonality of the photograph. The camera sensor does not capture the information properly during the shot, and the camera processor has to make its own interpretation of the image, and that's where you get those weird, grainy, colorful, color, colorful spots in the image, usually in the shadows. You have when you take a photo in low light conditions and you don't properly expose the image, your camera has to create that mi- missing information by itself. It's a computer, guys, like so, it has to just do its best. We're still smarter than a computer for now. ISO settings is how sensitive your camera sensor is to the light. Shooting with a higher ISO makes your camera produce more noise because it has to work harder to establish an image. Noise can happen in any low light situation, but it's less likely to happen when you're using a lower ISO, so more like 100, 200, 400. To reduce the chance of noise, try shooting with a lower ISO. I usually don't like to go over 800 if I can avoid it and use a wider aperture or a slower shutter speed if you can. Those three things, the exposure triangle, those three things combined will help you get less noise but a more balanced image. However, I don't think it's really necessary to underexpose an image so much just to save the colors. If you're trying to save the sky, you would just need to expose properly for the sky. The rest of your image will likely be underexposed, and that's fine. You can bring that up in post-processing. Remember, go ahead and use a low ISO. If you underexpose unnecessarily, you're going to lose some detail in your shadows, and you're still going to be dealing with grain. You also, you can also (sighs) come... Hello. You can also combat some of the noise during editing by adjusting the luminance slider for noise. The last question was auto white balance versus Kelvin. Okay, and technically, if you don't want to get your head bit off in photography forums, don't call it shooting in Kelvin. It's shooting in manual white balance. Most people call it Kelvin, but you'll still get those um, know-it-alls who say, it's, it's not shooting in Kelvin. Kelvin's the measure of light. Whatever, okay, I call it Kelvins, you can call it Kelvins, just be prepared that someone snotty might say something to you. So, in short, Kelvin represents the color temperature of light. In Lightroom, or Adobe Camera Raw, whatever you're editing in, when you edit your white balance, if you push the slider more towards the blues, the numbers start to go down. If you push it more towards the orange, the numbers go up. The major benefit to shooting in Kelvin is that you can set it based on the lighting situation and leave it until your lighting situation changes. When you edit you may have to tweak it slightly but then you can just adjust all of the images to one photo and save a lot of time. If you use auto white balance the camera is making the decision for every single image which means you'll have to change it for every single image. Holy cow that takes a lot of time. My vote is for Kevin, Ke- hey Kevin, my vote is for Kelvin all day, every day, or manual white balance, if you want to get technical, for ref, for a quick reference on what to put your white balance setting at when you shoot, my manual, my loose manual when I shoot is when I'm shooting in tungsten light, which is that like really warm bulbs, um, typically I don't want those bulbs on at all, so I don't very, I don't shoot in tungsten very often, but I'll set my camera settings about 3,000 for the Kelvin. And then if I'm in home with lights off, I'm using window light or my strobe, I'm going to be at about 5,000 for my settings. And then if I'm an open shade outside kind of situation, I'm probably going to be between 6,000 and 7,000. Um, and usually I'll just stay at 6,000, 7,000 throughout the rest of my session. I don't go through and I don't change it, uh, based on how the light changes. So I hope these lighting question and answers helped you. I'm a big nerd when it comes to light for photography. So if you have any questions and I didn't answer something clearly, please, please, please reach out to me on Instagram. Send me an email. Um, I'd love to chat more about light. Um, I I really like to talk about the podcast and what you guys thought about it. That way I know if I'm doing something well or if I need to fix something, if I'm getting the point across. So I'd really like to hear from you. So please, please, please reach out to me and let's have a chat. If I'm shooting in tungsten light, you know, those really orange lights, I'm recording a podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode or hear any questions you might have. Drop me a DM on Instagram at Brittany Renee underscore photo. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-I-E-R-E-N-E-E underscore P-H. O-T-O. If you haven't already, be sure to join the free Facebook group for photographers. That's bit.ly slash captures chaos SB. And lastly, it would help me out so much if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help boost ratings so that I can reach other photographers who need a friend in the community just like you. Again, thanks so much and I'll see you next time.